Stephen Street. And so um, you all always have and will hold a special um, place in my heart. And so I'm um, a blessing to see my family. My family is here. My wife, who constantly has to put up with me. I love you, sweetie. Don't you be shaking your head like you agree with me. You're supposed to say no. Yeah. <laughs> and then our children, my um, daughter, Mariah, and then KJ. And I look at my daughter right now. She has this look on her face because you know how sometimes kids won't, they'll, they'll, they, they'll dare you or they think you won't do anything. And so my daughter loves to sing. I said, you know what, Mariah, while I'm preaching my sermon, I'm going to just have you come up here and sing, but I'm not going to do it like that. I look at her face. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> but, um, but, but wanted to take this as well before we go ahead and get into God's Word. July the 29th, which is the last Saturday of this month, um, Out of Love Ministries, we're going to be having our annual back-to-school bash. We've been doing this, you all, since 2016 or 17, where we just simply partner with local apartment communities in the area where we feel the Lord has called us to do ministry. And we just simply provide basic school supplies to kind of help get them through the first week of school. Um, on this outreach event, and some of you all have had an opportunity over the past couple years to come, has just been a blessing to see how great and how thankful the parents and the children are. And so we want to invite you all, if you have an opportunity, um, after service, Brother Rick is going to be having a brief interest meeting um, in his office. And so if you haven't had a chance to come to Atlanta, or if you've been and you want to come back, we invite you all to come. Um, we're going to be adding um, a component this year that we've never done before. In my speaking with some of the property management, I asked him, I said, hey, do you think that for you all residents, for the children, kindergarten through 12th grade, do you think clothing is something that they need? And see, some of the apartment complexes you all that we minister to, are um, they have some economic struggles. And so clothing is something that's huge. And so many of the property managers told me, they said, yes, Pastor, if you all have any clothing, gently used clothing or whatever. And so we just wanted to encourage you all and challenge you all that if the Lord puts on your heart that if you have any gently used clothing, for kindergarten through 12th grade, or if you want to just go out and buy a couple outfits to be a blessing to somebody else in need, that'll be great. And then I want to show this picture right here because we're also going to be doing something else on that day. And we've done this before, but we're going to be doing it again. Uh, one of my friends who is a pastor and a minister, um, he and I met up this past week. Um, because we wanted to go out and canvas the inner city of downtown Atlanta. Because of some changes that have occurred um, for the past couple years, a lot of the homeless population, they don't congregate in specific places where they once used to be. And so they're kind of new places and pockets now. And so we were down there looking. And we had a chance to meet this gentleman here who told me he was from Thomasville, Georgia. And just to hear part of his story, he said, I've been out here for six years. Um, he said, I've been trying to get help and get assistance. And as he was talking, tears just started flowing down his face. And he said, man, I've had eight strokes and it's just really hard. And I just took the time to ask him, I said, listen, um, our church is going to be partnering with other church and, and, and coming down here on July the 29th. I said, if we were to put together some care packages of just some basic things that you all know that y'all need, what would some of those basic things be? And he said, sir, you know, water. He said, hand wipes little toiletry things, um, and, um, and I said, okay, thank you. And he said, you know what, I want to thank you and this gentleman for taking the time to come down here and talk to us. And so, um, so we're going to take a team that's going to go downtown in the inner city of Atlanta as well on that same day, 
um, that will be led by my dear friend, uh, Reverend Brown Lee. And we want to be able to put together at least 150 to 200 blessing bags. And so again, if the Lord is touching your heart, you may say, well, you know what? I can't really get to Atlanta because of some other prior obligations, which is personally fine. Well, maybe you can go to Walmart and get a gallon-sized Ziploc bag and just put some of these items in there. Brother Rick, he has that list. And so again, thank you all so much, Stephen Street, for always answering the call. You all continue to be a blessing to myself and my family and to the Out of Love Ministry community. And last but not least, definitely want to give a special shout out um, to um, Brother Dustin, um, and Mandy and Madison and Dylan for allowing us to stay at their home. And I'm gonna tell you like this, this is when you know people love you, okay? And so they said, Key, when this was last, uh, I think it was last night, they said, Key Juan, we got a surprise for you. I said, all right, what it is? They know I like to eat, okay? You can look at me and tell. And so I look and they had some brownies. Anybody know Superman had a weakness and it was kryptonite. My kryptonite is brownies. And so they made some homemade brownies. And not only did they make homemade brownies, you all, if I wanted to indulge, indulge for that whole night, they also had me a to-go box of some more brownies. And then I found out that Madison, um, she helped with facilitating that. But we just thank you and thank them for their hospitality, for welcoming us and allowing us to be into their beautiful home. And so peace and blessings be to the God. We're going to go straight into the Word of God. How many of you all in here are ready to hear a word from God on this morning? Amen. Amen, amen. Let's draw our attention to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Um, actually, I want to go to verse 15, if you all don't mind. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. I'm going to start here. And last service, you all had every intention to go back to the prior verses to tell the story, what's led up to this verse, these verses. So I'm going to make sure I do that this service. That's why it's good. If you ever preach twice, if you ever make a mistake, which is really no mistakes, you can always come back and clean it up. And so some of the people from the first service are going to say, hold on, he didn't add that. Is that the remix? I just forgot to say it, or maybe the spirit didn't lead me to say it during the first service. But 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 says this, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots, was all around the city, and they were not there to play ping pong. They were not there to play dodgeball. They were there for one reason, and that was to apprehend the prophet Elisha and to apprehend his servant. The Bible says, and the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? So the picture that we see that's being painted by the narrative through the Holy Spirit is that this servant goes outside. Perhaps he's going outside to do his daily chores, and as soon as he steps foot outside of the city where they are, which is Dothan, the Bible says he looks up, and without fail, he's able to see with his eyes that they are surrounded by a host of an army, and it's the Syrian army who were arch enemies of the nation of Israel. So imagine the anxiety, imagine the fear, imagine the concern that this young man has as a servant as he sees this with his eyes. And so what he does, which is uses wisdom, he knows I'm rolling with somebody who's connected to God. 
So I need to take this to the man of God. So he went to Elijah. Look at what he said. He said, um, he went to Elijah. He said that. Look at what Elijah said. He said to him, do not be afraid. Now, I want y'all to repeat after me. We did the same thing in the first service. I want y'all to repeat after me. On the count of three, we're going to say, do not be afraid. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Do not be afraid. That's what the prophet said to the man of God, or the prophet said to the servant. Now, I can only imagine that the servant probably perhaps would have thought to himself, why in the world is he telling me not to be afraid? Can't he see with his eyes what's going on? He sees soldiers out there. They have on their weaponry. They have their swords. They don't have smiles, smiles on their faces. They're there for business. But all of a sudden, the prophet said, do not be afraid. And then he tells him why he should not be afraid. The reason you should not be afraid, young man, is because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. In layman's turn for my young people in here, the prophet said, listen, you don't understand who rolling with us. Sit back and chill on out. And then look at the next verse, what the scripture says. The next verse says, then Elijah, he went one step further because he watched this. Elijah could have easily told him, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than they, and left it at there. But Elijah went one step further because he wanted this young man to understand that when you think you're down and out, when you think that God is not protecting you, when you think that God's presence and power is not overshadowing you, I want you to remember this experience. And the Bible said Elijah prayed and said, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Now, we know according to the biblical narrative, there's nothing wrong with his physical eyes, right? How do we know this? Because the young man went outside and he saw that there were a host of soldiers and an army around the city. So, there's nothing wrong with his physical eyes. But what the prophet is asking for God to do is to open up his spiritual eyes so that he can peel back and see that there is an invisible world that is just as real as the visible world. And he said, Lord, open up his eyes that he may see. And so the Bible says, so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. So the young man, when God, when Elijah prayed and he stood in the gap and he asked God to open up his eyes, God answered his request. And all of a sudden, without fail, the biblical narrative says that the young man, the young servant was able to open up his eyes and he saw something that very few people have never had an opportunity to see. He saw the heavenly host army were there and they meant business. Now, the Syrian army had no idea that the heavenly hosts were there. The servant had no idea that they were there. But the man of God knew that they were there. The Bible says, and when the Syrians came down against him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of 
Elijah. And I want to take some time to speak to us, you all, from this thought simply. Those who are with us are mightier than those who are with them. I had the pleasure in 2003 and 2004 when I lived up here in Cookville, Tennessee, to play football at Tennessee Tech. I played defense, a tackle, and I had the pleasure of playing under Coach Mike Hennigan, who I have a tremendous amount of respect and love for, and for the university recruiting me and offering me a scholarship um, from Etiwamba Community College to come up here to Tennessee Tech. And I can tell you all this, and I know every person here who has played athletic sports, you're going to probably be able to agree with what I'm saying, but if you don't agree with it, you will at least be able to say, you know what, I can relate to what he's saying. If you've ever had to play a sport that requires competition where there are points that accumulate, you might be able to understand this. I remember when I played football and we would have our games. One of the things that I found myself constantly doing throughout the game was looking up at the scoreboard. And the reason I would look up at the scoreboard is because I know at the end of a football game, whoever has the most points is the winner of the game. And for me, there were times when the clock could serve as a positive reinforcement or a negative. Well, from a, ne from a positive perspective, when I would look up there and I would see the clock and I would see that we were winning and I knew that time was ticking down and we were going to get out with a victory, let me tell you something, bumps and bruises and hurts that I had, just it didn't even hurt me at that time. I just felt like I was Wolverine. It ain't do nothing to me. You understand what I'm saying? Because I was excited and pumping with adrenaline because I'm like, man, we about to win this game and what? And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil. I used to talk trash on that football field, you all. Boy, I used to talk some trash. Boy, I did, I did. I'm not going to lie. I talked trash. But on the other hand, there were many games when I would look up at that clock and I would see that scoreboard and the game would be real close. Or times when I knew we were going to lose because of the score and because there was not enough time for us to catch up. And I allowed that to impact me negatively to the point where I at times would not give my all or give my best. Likewise, brothers and sisters, I can be honest with you, and maybe some of you all, if you will be honest with yourself, there's times when we walk with the Lord where we look at what is going on around us, what's going on in our own personal life, What's going on in the communities that we live in? What's going on in the nation that we live in? What's going on in the world? And for many of us, we look at the scoreboard and we say, Lord, it appears, keyword appears, as if we are not winning. Lord, it appears that all the praying that I've been doing for my children, all the praying that I've been doing for my marriage, and it just doesn't seem that things are starting to manifest. Lord, it appears that the praying that I've been doing for the doctors giving me this medical diagnosis, Lord, why me? And we find ourselves, if we're not careful, falling into that stumper where we can become discouraged and where we can become disappointed. But I stopped by today to tell somebody by the mercies of God that those who are with us are mightier than those who are with them. See, there's times when we walk with the Lord where you have to be reassured of some things. Come on, somebody. 
You've been walking with the Lord for years. You know the Lord is your light and your salvation. Whom should you feel? You know the Lord is the strength of your life of whom you should be afraid. But there's times when you need to be reminded of that. There's times when you need somebody to come and put their hand on your shoulder and say, you know what? I know you're going through, but you're going to make it in the name of Jesus. Don't give up. Keep on pressing forward. There's times in our walk with the Lord, if truth be told, where we want to throw in the towel and give up, and that is what the devil wants us to do. But when we talk about spiritual warfare, there's some biblical principles scattered throughout Scripture that God wants us to understand because it will greatly impact how you live your life for Christ in this world. The first thing that God will have us to understand in looking at this text is that there is an invisible world that is just as real as the visible world. Repeat that again. There is an invisible world that is just as real as the in or visible world. And the Apostle Paul recognized this, you all, in Ephesians 6 and 12 when he says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, you think that your fight is with your supervisor. See, you upset because you went to work and you was making that hero sandwich and you forgot to put the mushrooms on there and the lettuce and tomatoes and your boss said something to you and you upset at your boss, I ain't going back to work no more. Listen, it, you wrestle not against flesh and blood. Then Paul went on and he said this, he said, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmetic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You all make no mistake about it. We are in a war. And it is a spiritual war. And guess what's at stake? Your soul. Guess what's at stake? Your marriage. For all the parents, guess what's at stake? What many of us as parents consider to be the most invaluable thing that we hold priceless, our children. Let me tell you something. If you want to see a person who is a professed believer, if you want to see them step back in the flesh and see the old man come out the grave, you say or do something to their children. I'm just going to tell you like this, you all. You, you say or do something to a person who loves the Lord child. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Men, sometimes y'all know how we are, right? You let somebody say or do something to my daughter, I, the whole church staff at Stephen Street Baptist Church will have to pray for me because that's what it's going to take for them to keep me from going to do what I need to do. But I thank God for his grace and mercy because I've been put in some very unique situations where my flesh wanted to act out in a fleshly way, but the Holy Spirit helped me during that whole process, and I thank God for that. So there's an invisible world, you all, that's going on. There's a battle. And, and once we recognize this and we understand this, then we're able to do according to Scripture, and we're able to equip ourselves so that we can be adequately prepared. The young man in the text was able, because of his connection to the prophet, he was able to experience something that many servants never experienced before. But watch this, you all. When you see the scene going on, the prophet is so calm. How in the world can the prophet be so calm 
when the whole city is surrounded and the prophet knows why they're there. Story time, you all. So, when the chapter opens up, or 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, if you go back and read, the Bible says that the Syrian army were performing raids in the nation of Israel's territory. And a part of them performing those raids were that they would camp in different geographical locations and they would hide. They would receive intel on where the nation of Israel was going to be and they would position themselves so that it could take advantage of them. Come on, this sounds like something. So they can take advantage of them and they can overtake them. But the Bible says that God had a secret weapon. And that secret weapon was the prophet Elisha. Because whenever the Syrian army positioned themselves to attack the people of God, the prophet Elisha would tell the king of Israel, don't go in this direction. Oh, let me make it plain, you all. You don't need to be in the club because there's nothing in the club of substance that's going to help you. You don't need to be amongst other students who are engaging in risky behavior because it's nothing but danger for you. Come on, somebody. So, 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 so understanding that there's some things, there's some places that God says you don't need to be because if you find yourself in those places, you're going to find yourself having to deal with some struggles that you never would have had to deal with. See, this goes back to, I tell everybody, don't develop the Samson syndrome. That syndrome that, well, you know what? I'm strong. See, many of us, we think we are stronger than what we really are. But if truth be told, we are not. See, in this war that we are in, you all, we have to operate in humility and we have to make sure that we stay prayed up and we do what the biblical narrative teaches us to do so that we can stay prepared. And so back to Elijah, the Bible says that the prophet would tell the king of Israel, don't go this way. So about two or three times, Israel experienced deliverance because the prophet told them what they should not do. So then it got back to the king of Syria, and the king of Syria, he has a meeting. He says, listen, which one of y'all jokers? Now, he didn't say that. That's the key one version. He said, which one of you all are telling my military business and feeding secrets to the nation of Israel? Because we're trying to capture them. We're trying to defeat them. Who in the world is opening their big mouth? And one of his servants said, listen, Lord, ain't nobody up in here doing anything. It's the prophet Elijah. Everything that you say behind closed doors, he hears it and he tells the king of Israel. So as you can imagine, with that intel, the king says, bring him to me. So this is why when the verse 15 opens, right? When the verse opens up, the Bible says that they're all camped out in the city because they're there for the prophet. Again, going back to the question I asked, what caused the man of God to be so calm, cool, and collect? Because he had an experience. He had an experience. He had an encounter with God that radically transformed him. If you remember the prophet Elijah, the Bible says that before Elijah was due to leave, 
Elijah told Elisha, he said, listen, you know I'm about to get ready to leave. God about to come take me up out of here. He said, I know you're about to get ready to leave. He said, so ask me, what do you want me to do for you? And Elisha, Elijah didn't ask him, listen, can you hook a brother up with some season tickets to the UT ball game so I can go on here and get my Rocky talk on? He didn't say that. He didn't say, listen, man, I got a couple enemies, some people who, you know, who messed around with me. I'm in school and when I was growing up. No, 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 no. He said, I want a double portion of the anointing that's on your life so I can lead like you lead. And Elijah said, listen, uh, what you asking me is hard because I don't have any control over that. He said, but I'm going to tell you this right here, young man. He said, when God comes to get me, if you see the way I leave, then understand that what you have asked has been granted. The Bible says that God came to get them. And let me tell you something, y'all. God didn't pull up in a Toyota Camry. And I love Toyota Camrys. Come on, somebody, shuck it, duck it, quack, quack. God didn't pull up in an F-150 pickup truck. Come on. And I love F-150 pickup trucks. He didn't pull up in a Honda touring minivan. I love them. I got one outside. The Bible says when God pulled up to pick up the prophet, he pulled up with heavenly hosts of horses and chariots of fire. And the Bible says the prophet was taken away in a whirlwind, and Elisha saw it with his own two eyes. And the prayer that he prayed for a double portion of the Spirit of the man of God to follow him was granted on that day. Fast forward to this experience. That's why the man of God is able to be so calm in that situation because he's experienced the power and the presence of God. See, many of us in here as older believers in Christ, God has allowed you to experience some things. You got a testimony in your belly. You got a word on your tongue, and you got to be able to use that to help our younger generation so that they're able to navigate through the murky waters. So you're able to tell them what the prophet told the servant. Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are mightier and more than they. Second point, real quick, we are involved in this war, you all. Whether you like it or not, we are involved in this war. See, the young servant, they were there for Elijah. But because of the servants connected to the man of God, connection to the man of God, they're there for him too. See, watch this. Because of your connection to Jesus, that's one of the reasons why the enemy hates you. And that's why Jesus said, listen, know that if the world hates you, it hated me before it ever even hated you. See, when you become a citizen in the kingdom of God, if truth be told, you immediately get a bullseye on the back of your back. And the enemy is going to be after you until you leave this earth. He's going to do everything to try to frustrate your cause. But you are a part of this war. But God wants us to understand this while we are a part of this war. Point three, point three is that we have a formidable enemy, the devil. Jesus himself said to Peter on one occasion, Peter said, Lord, you ain't going to go to no cross. What you talking about? God forbid that that ever happened. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. 
For you do not desire the things of God, but the things of men. The Bible is very clear, and Jesus was very clear in his ministry that Satan exists. Forget what these clueless people who say they are Christians say when they say they don't believe in heaven or they don't believe in hell and the devil is not real. You need to wake up because you done been duped. Because Jesus said he was very much real, so real that the Bible tells us that Jesus was engaged in intense spiritual warfare in the wilderness with the enemy. But we see our Lord Jesus came out on top. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let me give you an idea, you all, of how this works. And you remember, maybe have never thought about it or heard it this way before, I don't know. But I think it's time for us as believers to start accepting responsibility and accountability on some things. We can't blame everything on the devil. Now, I done met some people where they blame everything on the devil. Now, we have to understand we really got three things working against us of three enemies. The flesh, that unfalling state, right? We have the devil that's working against us, and we got the flesh. We got what we're dealing with as it relates to um, the devil. And then we also have a part of the flesh is those temptations and those urges that come. See, a lot of times what Satan will do is Satan will simply take advantage of us when we're in a weakened state when we've given in to temptation. It ain't no different if you've ever watched the Animal Planet. Have you ever watched the Animal Planet or National Geographic and you see the lions or they're out there hunting and they're looking for, um, they're looking for prey and one of the prey is sick or weak or they get left behind? The lions don't even care about all the other gazelle. You know why? Because they got one that is weak and that's been left behind. Satan is looking for the Christians that are weak and who isolate themselves. You know why? Because they're easy pickings. This is why we have to be in community. This is why you ought to be at the house of God. This is why you ought to be connected in a life group or a small group. This is why you ought to allow people the opportunity to speak into your life to help you because that's going to serve in an invaluable way so that you don't become an easy picking or target for the enemy. And last but not least, we know according to the Scripture that the Lord has equipped us, you all. That's the thing I love. I know we are in a war, but God has given us what we need in order to function. When you look at this biblical narrative, you all, how did the prophet respond? The Bible says the prophet, he prayed, and he said, Lord, open his eyes. Watch this, and I said this during the first service, you all. I consider myself to be a real, and my children will tell you, I'm a real kind of structured guy, okay? Um, we are going to Dollywood tomorrow. Before we even get to Dollywood, you all, I'm going to have the whole itinerary lined up, Brother Stu. It's lined up already. 
I already talked to my wife. I said, okay, babe, what we need to do is we need to make sure we need to leave at this time because Dollywood opens up at 10 a.m. So, you know, as, as much money they charging us to get up in that part, we need to be there right when they open. They close around 9 o'clock. We're going to leave at 6. We're going to Paula D's restaurant. When we get there, baby, let me already see, babe, what, what you want? That's what you want, babe? Okay, here's what we're going to do. Babe, we're going to do the package with the four meats. We're going to do pork chops. We're going to do fish. We're going to do chicken. We're going to do roast beef. We're going to do macaroni, corn, sweet potato souffle. I'm working everything out in my mind, you all. When we left home this morning, we're staying with the Rawls. Before we even laid our head on the pillow, I said, baby, here's what we got to do. Baby, we got to wake up at 530. When we get up there, I need you to go ahead and do what you do. Go ahead and iron the clothes because you know I don't iron, babe. I change diapers. We need to get ready. We need to be leaving the house. That's just how I work sometimes. And some, can anybody here identify with that? Do we have any structured people in here that's kind of like that sometimes? But watch this, you all. We got to be mindful because sometimes, sometimes a wrench can be thrown into that plan. And if it's thrown into that plan, it can just set us completely off. Watch this. As we walk with the Lord, you have to leave room for God to be able to move and do what he does best. See, watch this. There's sometimes, sometimes you're going to try to help somebody or help a situation, and it's going to be nothing that you can do to change it. And for many of us, that's hurtful because we like to control things, especially us as men. But see, there's going to be times when you're going to have to pray the same prayer that Elijah prayed for this young man when you find yourself in a situation wanting God to move on behalf of somebody. You're just going to have to simply say, Lord, I pray that you open up their eyes that they might see. Lord, allow them to have a revelation moment like the Apostle Paul did. Lord, encounter and meet them on the road while they're going to do wrong, Lord. Meet them on the road so they'll be turned around and do a U-turn and live a life of doing right in your kingdom for your glory. In this passage of Scripture, the prophet prayed for the young man's eyes to be open, and God responded, and his eyes were open. Oh, boy, I wish I would have been there to see the servant's response. I don't know about you all, but if I was that servant, Brother Rick, and the prophet prayed and he said, and now his eyes are open, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. I probably would have stepped in the flesh a little bit, you all. Here's what my response would have been. He opened up my eyes. I see. Oh. <laughs> Elijah. Boy, do you see who with us? Hold, hold on, Elijah. Y'all go ahead and come on down here now. We ready for y'all. Yeah, it's just two of us. That's what y'all think. Come on down here right now. All right. Oh, oh, y'all coming for real? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and the Bible says that they came down to come get them. What the prophet did, he prayed. He said, God, strike their eyes with blindness. The Bible says that the Lord granted his request. When they got down to where the prophet was, the prophet said, hold on to you all. Y'all in the wrong place. Let me take y'all where you need to go. So the Bible says the prophet, here he is, leading a whole army. Take them to the spot. Then he prayed and said, Lord, open up their eyes. When they opened up their eyes, you all, guess where the enemy was? The enemy was standing in the presence of the king of Israel and the people of God, and they're standing right there, delivered on a platter. See, when the Bible says he'll make your enemies your footstool, God will literally do that. And when, when, when the king said, okay, Prophet, do you want me to take them out right now? The prophet said, no, don't take them out. 
put food before them and have a feast. And when that happened, you all, the biblical narrative cut off, and the way it ends, it ends as if they ain't have any more problems, at least during that time period, with the Syrians. But for us, our ending, as it relates to Satan, you all, doesn't quite end like that. He's going to continue to come after you. To, my, to, the, to the students in here, and, and I had a chance to speak with Pastor Mike, and he was telling me how the Spirit of God moved, and, and I was hearing some of the students talk about just the wonderful time that they had um, this past week. And I want to speak specifically to you all and continue to encourage you all, follow after God with your whole heart. You're going to have people in your friend network or at school that's going to make you think that what you're doing is not the right thing, that's going to make you think that you're missing out on things. But let me tell you the same thing I know your parents have told you all. Guess what? You all are going to get older. And as you all get older and God bless you all with your families and you all have children, I'm going to tell you what's going to start to happen to you. Some of those same people who you went to school with, some of those same people when you used to tell your parents, well, why won't you let me go this place? Why won't you let me have this? I should have a car. So-and-so have a car. Some of those same people, you're going to find out what happened to them or what's going on in their life. And you're going to say to yourself, because I did the same thing. I said, man, I'm thankful that I had a mother who knew how to say no. I'm thankful I had a mother who prayed for me because of the same, some of the same people who I went to school with. I see them on Facebook today, and I see a lot of them, you all, have had some significant hardships because of the decisions that they have made in life. God is with us. He's given us the weaponry that we need to be able to wage war with the enemy. Sometimes you all in closing, we just have to be reminded that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. God is with you if you are a child of God, even when you can't feel it. You all, there are moments in ministry when I feel like throwing in the towel, and I promise you, I feel like giving up. There's times when I say, Lord, why? Why, why even do this? Why am I even here? Why prepare another sermon? What is it going to accomplish? But see, that's when I'm in my weakened state. Come on, somebody. But somewhere I read that his grace is sufficient, that God will give you what you need so you can continue to move forward for his glory. The devil wants you to give up. The devil wants you to end your marriage. The devil wants you to stop praying for that child who done went off, way off, in a place that you never thought they would be. But by the mercies of God, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. And know that if God be for you, who can be against you. See, sometimes you just got to encourage yourself in the Lord, you all. Sometimes I know people be probably think I'm crazy. I be driving and I just be, I, Lord, I just have a whole praise break in my car. You hear me? I'm, and I won't even have no music on. Y'all would probably look at me and say, something wrong with Kiwan. You all, one time I was in the car, I started thinking about the goodness of God. I started crying and I started clapping my hands and I looked over and this person looked at me like, uh, what's wrong with him? They pulled off you all because, you know, we're living in some different times now. <laughs> but, 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 but sometimes you just got to encourage yourself in the Lord. God is with you. And let this story serve as a reminder 
that the power and the presence of God is real. You know what, you all, I'm going to say this in closing. If the Lord, if the Lord granted us the same blessing and opportunity that he gave this servant, where if the Lord just dropped the veil for 10 seconds, when we walked out of this church building and we walked back to our homes, if the Lord just dropped the veil to allow us to peer off into the spiritual realm so that we're able to see what's going on, I guarantee you it will greatly impact how many of us live our life because you will see you have more protection with you than you ever thought. You will see that when you was driving home at night and your car hydroplane, and you thought it was because you learned how to steer the steering wheel that you were safe and you didn't get in the accident, but you had no idea it was by his grace and his mercy that he kept you. Oh, you thought that it was just the medication and what the doctor gave you as far as the regimen that, that end up bringing healing. Medication has its plan, but oh my God, by the mercies of him who is able, the man, the person who fashioned the body, who knows everything about us, he is the great physician. Was it not Jesus that said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. For I came not to call the righteousness, but sinner to repentance. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, gracious and everlasting God, Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to hear this word. And Father God, we ask in the name of Jesus that we receive this word and that we not only receive it, but that we act upon it. In your name we pray. Amen.